At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. All right, guys, so refrigeration cycle. Now, many moons ago, I did a podcast on the refrigeration cycle, okay? But it was back in the day when my audio wasn't the greatest, and I thought I'd revisit the refrigeration cycle and go into the subject a little bit more heavily, okay? Now, I had a guest scheduled, but the guest had to back out due to an injury. Now, we won't get into that, but it gives me some time to tackle this, which I enjoy because there's going to be an article for this that I'm writing. If the article is not attached to the podcast notes at the bottom yet, it's because it's not 100% finished, but it will be there soon. So if you're listening to this and the article's not there at the bottom, the link is not there, just check back in a little while and it will be, but I'm hoping this is not the case. So what I'm saying (laughs) might not even matter at all. Okay, but before we get into it, back in the day, before I even knew what refrigeration was or air conditioning or how air conditioning worked or knew any of the science behind it, in the article I explained this, it's the very first paragraph, I'm, my old house where I used to live when I was growing up, teenager, it was like a, a row of townhouses, okay, they're all connected, there's like 10 or 12 of them in a row, and we were on an end unit, and we had a pathway that, that walked down the side of our house, and a big window, okay, and we didn't have centralized AC, so we had this big honking window unit that was sticking out the window at, at the side of the house, and I'd walk past it, okay, and I'd feel this heat from the window unit coming at me, right? And I always thought to myself, I wonder if this heat is being taken out of the house somehow. Because you walk in the house, the house is cool, the house is less humid than it is outside, and there is also water dripping out of the back of the thing. So is the heat and the water from the home being somehow moved from the home to the outdoors all right this was what i was thinking but it was back in the day when the internet was like maybe like 15 or something right this is going back now um 25 years ago 26 years ago the internet wasn't the way it is now where you could just get on google and and find your answer in like 30 seconds it wasn't like that uh so i had no way of really looking into it and I was 15 I probably didn't really want to look into it It was just kind of a thought process in my head I remember walking by and and thinking this uh, on several occasions right and it wasn't till until trade school when I went for refrigeration that I started to learn I'm like aha so that window AC was moving the heat and the moisture from indoors and moving it outdoors So we're going to get into that right now. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. 
recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, so before we can understand the refrigeration cycle, we need to understand some things first. We need to understand the word saturation. We need to understand what superheat and subcooling is. We need to understand the pressure temperature relationships of a substance, okay? And when I say pressure temperature relationships, meaning that pressures of a gas or a liquid will change with its ambient temperature. Now, let's take water for an example. Water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, okay, at sea level. Now, what happens if we decrease the pressure, the ambient pressure, the environment, the ambient pressure of that water? Can we boil it at a lower temperature? Well, yes, we can. All right. So usually we boil some water. Okay. It hits 212 degrees. It's bubbling and it's hot. You can't touch it or you can, but you're going to burn yourself. All right. Now that, that, that water boiling is at saturation point because we have water and vapor at the same time. So we have water in the pot and we have vapor hovering above it. Okay, it's at its boiling point, 212 degrees right at that point. That's its saturation point. Now, there's many experiments and some of you might have done this in class and, and I've done a video on it and I can even drop that video link in this, this podcast at, at the end in the notes that if you drop the pressure around that water, you can boil that water at a lower temperature. For instance, if we put some sort of dome over a glass of water and we pull a vacuum on that dome, pulling a vacuum on that dome is lowering the pressure, the ambient pressure around that water. You can actually boil water at room temperature. Now, when I say boil, it's starting to bubble, but it's not hot. It's at room temperature because we've lowered the pressure because there's a pressure temperature relationship there. Okay. So at sea level, we're, we're boiling water at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. If we put that water in a dome into a vacuum, we can boil it at room temperature. Saturation basically is, is just that it's, it's his boiling point. Okay. Now superheat, Superheat is anything past the boiling point. So let's keep with water for a minute. So water boiling at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Now we, we take that, that saturation point. Okay. Where it's the liquid and the vapor. Now the vapor above it, it's starting to, let's say we, we, we continue to heat that vapor above it. So that vapor is now 220 degrees. It's above boiling point. So we've superheated that. And because it's eight degrees above boiling point, okay, 220 minus 212 is eight. Because eight degrees above boiling point, we have eight degrees of superheat. All right. Now let's say we lower the temperature of the water. Let's say we take that water down to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. It is 12 degrees below its boiling point. Now anything below boiling is subcooled. It's a subcooled liquid. So that means we have 12 degrees of subcooling because we've lowered the temperature of the water from 212 degrees to 200 degrees. 
So we have a subcooled liquid. So vapor is superheated and it's anything above the boiling point. Liquid is subcooled, anything below the boiling point. Okay, those are superheat and subcooling and saturation when we're talking about water. Let's talk about refrigerant for a minute then. Okay, so we've talked about water. Let's go to 410A, which is a popular refrigerant at the moment. Okay, so if we take, and I'm right now I got a, a picture of the refrigerant slider from Danfoss up because it's, it's such a badass PT chart. And if we have 410A at 72 degrees Fahrenheit, it is corresponding pressure is 207.7 PSI. All right. If we raise the temperature of that refrigerant, okay, we're going to raise the pressure of the refrigerant. If we go up to 80 degrees with 410A, we're no longer at 207. 0.7, we're now at 235.5 PSI because we've raised the pressure. So conversely, if we started at 235.7 and 80 degrees, we lower the temperature to 72 degrees, we're going to lower the pressure to 207.7. Okay, so that is the temperature and the pressure or the pressure and temperature relationship. They, they change with each other. And we need to know this when we're talking about the refrigeration cycle because we move through high pressure zones and low pressure zones where the, the temperature is changing, okay? So we need to know that stuff. It's very important. So we're gonna move on and talk about some of the components within the refrigeration cycle because those are important. And once we talk about those, we can then put the cycle together. So the four major components, they're all equally important. We can't have one without the other. And the system won't work unless we have all four. So the first one we're going to talk about is the compressor. It needs to start up before anything can happen. It needs to receive power and it needs to start running. Okay. The motor and the compressor needs to engage and it's got to start, for lack of a better term, pumping refrigerant. Now, people will argue that the compressor is not a pump, but for argument's sake, we're going to call it a vapor pump in this podcast because essentially that is what it's doing. The motor starts and whatever kind of compressor is, there's many different types, okay? There's like scroll, there's rotary, there's screw, there's resip that has pistons, okay? So the motor needs to start in the compressor and needs to engage whatever that type of compressor is if it's a scroll it's gotta start moving that that scroll the orbiting scroll if if it's a recip it's got to start moving those pistons up and down and the action of those what it does is it takes low pressure low temperature vapor refrigerant from the suction line it's moving down the suction line and it compresses it to a high pressure high temperature vapor compressors are designed to pump vapor they're not designed to pump liquid because what can happen is you can damage the compressor. I've seen recip compressors where it's taken a shot of liquid and it's blue valves off. Okay. The other thing that can happen is if we get enough liquid refrigerant in there, like a scroll compressor can take some liquid. Okay. But what can happen is that liquid refrigerant can come in and wash away the oil. You wash away the oil. We have no lubrication and things can tighten up and seize. So it's very important that we keep liquid refrigerant out of the compressor. 
So we have the suction line that enters. Now the suction line is the larger pipe. It enters the compressor. The discharge line is the smaller pipe. It leaves the compressor. So we bring in low temperature, okay? Low pressure gas into the compressor, all right? With that motor running, okay? Whatever, whatever kind of compressor that is, whatever it's designed to do, however it's designed to pump, is gonna take that, that gas, okay? Raise its temperature, raise its pressure, compress it and move it out down the discharge line okay once we do that the compressor has pretty much done its job okay there's there's a ton of more details we could get into but we're going to try to keep this as basic as possible now the compressor it has moved that gas into the discharge line it has to, to move down that discharge line towards the condenser okay because the condenser is the next component we're going to move in order of the components okay so the compressors first we're going to move down that discharge line to the condenser now when the refrigerant leaves the compressor it is high pressure high temperature that refrigerant is superheated vapor because it's well above its boiling point okay remember we talked about boiling points and if something's at its boiling point it's saturated if it's above its boiling point it's superheated so the refrigerant in the discharge line is above its boiling point and it's superheated so now we're going to move into the condenser okay there's, there's different types of condensers there's water cooled there's air cooled but most of us are more familiar with air cooled because most of us probably live in a in a home that has air conditioning and we've seen the condensing unit outside that has the fan on it okay and the coil all right now there's many different types of, of condensers like there's there's a the coil type like the copper with the the aluminum fins there's water cooled bundles there's coaxial um, condenser types there's there's blade uh, braised plate heat exchangers but to keep it simple let, let's go with a coil and a fan so what happens is we enter the condenser that fan is running what that fan does is it starts to cool the refrigerant okay so that superheated refrigerant gets cooled Okay, We're, we basically remove the superheat. We bring it back down to boiling point. Now it's at saturation. Okay, at saturation, we have no superheat. We have no subcooling. So we cool the refrigerant back down to saturation. That's about the middle of the condenser. Okay, for argument's sake. Now, as we start moving through the condenser some more, what we're going to do is we're going to start to subcool all right now remember that subcool is a liquid we have a liquid a full liquid without without any vapor that's fully subcooled so it's going to enter as a vapor superheated we're going to bring it down to saturation where it's a mixture of both vapor and liquid now that fan is going to continue to move as the refrigerant moves through that condenser coil we are going to bring that saturated condition of the refrigerant to a sub subcooled state subcooled state is a full-on liquid all right now once we're at that that sub subcooled state what we want to do is continue to move that refrigerant out of the condenser the condenser moves that refrigerant out into the liquid line it's called the liquid line because that line should be a full column of liquid in theory we're not going to get into why it might not be because we're not doing troubleshooting. We're just explaining the cycle. So we're going to move into that condenser, superheated vapor, 
Okay, bring it down to the saturation point. Then we're going to subcool that liquid. We're going to move that liquid into the liquid line. Okay, and then we're going to continue down that liquid line to the metering device. I mentioned I was using the refrigerant slider during the podcast to look at the 410A, but within that app, okay, within the Ref Tools app by Dan Foster, there's another portion called Product Finder where you can look up pretty much any product you want like compressors filter dryers valves is very very simple very very easy to do so um, so check that out if you've downloaded or haven't yet you should probably download the ref tools app a very good app go into the product finder and just play around you can find any sort of product you want that you might be looking for and get some get some information on that product as well so the blue on community app guys it's it's blowing up like 35,000 manuals there's like i think over 25 or, or over 20,000 texts i think now on there the tech support is two minute wait time you can only use through the app okay and the refrigerant tdx 2458a is their r22 conversion refrigerant no uh, it's pure drop in no oil change needed uh, you just you just put it in. You remove R22. You put that in. You do some setup stuff. And I, I did one um, in the summer, and it went really well. And I didn't lose any capacity. And and, and I I verified that with MeasureQuick as well. So check out the Blue On app as well, guys, and become part of their community. Subco Trade Fox is doing some fabulous things, and I've talked about it. And I I made a couple of posts about what they're doing with technician invented tools you have a tool idea okay reach out to subco the email is ideas at subcotradefox.com okay and you they'll work with you to bring that tool to market and you guys will have to figure out the ins and outs who gets what you know what i mean and and all that kind of stuff if it's your idea i mean protect your idea and they will help you take that idea to market okay because that's what they're doing that's what they've done with other technicians very very cool thing they're doing okay and true tech tools guys eight percent off promo code know-it-all anything in the store except for fluke or fleer and man i i get code reports and there's a ton of techs using the code which i think is fabulous because they're receiving discounts i get thank you messages from people and i love to see techs out there working hard and saving a little bit of money on some tools where they can. So check out True Tech Tools, guys. 8% off with promo code KNOWITALL. Next is the metering device, the third component. Okay, we're going to move down the liquid line, full column of liquid because it's subcooled now. All right, anything below saturation or boiling point. All right, is subcooled, and we're at a subcooled liquid usually around 10 degrees of subcooling or whatever just so we know we have a, a full column of liquid going to that metering device now what is a metering device metering device basically regulates the flow of refrigerant from one side to the other now before we get to the metering device we're at high pressure high temp now the discharge line is is high temp now the liquid line is still high pressure but we've lowered that temp a little bit but we're still higher than the other side of the metering device. When we move through the metering device, we are at a low pressure, low temperature state. Now a metering device, there, there's many different types. There is like um, mechanical 
thermal expansion valves, there's electronic valves, there's capillary tubes or capillary tubes, depending on where you live, you, you say, you might say that differently, fixed orifices. Um, now, a cap tube or a fixed orifice, that's a fixed style metering device. Okay. A thermal expansion valve is an adaptive type because it, it changes, it, it can actually change how it regulates. So you need to know the difference between adaptive and fixed. Okay. A fixed can't really change. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. An adaptive style like a TXV can change, open and close, how, how it flows, how it moves that refrigerant through. But essentially, they have the same job. It's to regulate refrigerant from the high side to the low side, okay? So once we take that, that full column of liquid and we hit that metering device, we are going to create what's called a flash gas. Okay, and what that means is some of that refrigerant, some of that liquid is going to flash off right away, okay, into a vapor as it moves into the other side of the valve, okay, or the metering device. It might not be a valve, it might be a cap tube, so I shouldn't say valve. So it's the metering device, it's flashing off, and the rule of thumb is, through the years of what I've learned, is 25% vapor, 75% liquid. So we've gone from a full column of liquid to 25% vapor, 75% liquid. And that's kind of important as we explain the job of the evaporator, okay? So we're gonna talk about the evaporator next. The metering device was the third component. The evaporator is gonna be the fourth component. All right, so now that we flash through the metering device, what, what we have is sort of our rule of thumb and people hate rules of thumbs, but sometimes we need to kind of bring them up to give examples of, of how things are working. So we have that 75% of liquid left over. Now remember that the compressor cannot pump liquid. It's not designed to pump liquid. So if we have 75% liquid in the evaporator, how are we going to get rid of that liquid before it starts to move back to the compressor. Well, we need to absorb heat so the refrigerant can boil and vaporize inside the evaporator. So what happens? Okay, traditionally, we'll have a system that has an evaporator with a blower fan. That blower fan will move air across the evaporator. That air contains heat, okay? The refrigerant in the evaporator, that liquid starts to absorb the heat from the air. All right, as it's absorbing the heat from the air, that refrigerant starts to boil off and become a vapor. Now, like we said with the condenser, about halfway through, it's sort of like saturated, saturation point. It's a vapor and it's a liquid, okay? Now, as we start moving through the other half, we wanna get rid of the rest of that liquid. It's gonna boil off because it's absorbing heat from the air, all right? now. Once we get to the, like the last bit of the evaporator, like let's say the last 10%, we should be completely boiled off. We should be, okay? But we need to absorb a little bit more heat just to ensure that our compressor is not gonna get any liquid. So that additional heat we absorb is superheat, okay? Because now we're a vapor and we've increased the temperature of the vapor. So now we're a superheated vapor because we've absorbed all the heat that we can, 
okay, created a vapor in the evaporator by absorbing all the heat from the air, boiling the liquid off, and the vapor that's left is still absorbing heat. That additional vapor, uh, the additional heat in that vapor is superheat. So that, that superheated vapor moves down the suction line back to the compressor. Okay, so now we've, we've covered all the four components and we've talked about the lines as well. We've talked about the discharge line, the liquid line, and the suction line during this. So you have an indication of, of what line is what. So let's just recap that and go through the flow. So let's kind of put this together in, in one complete cycle now. And I'm going to start at the EVAP. When I say EVAP, I mean evaporator. So I apologize if you guys are learning. Uh, it's the evaporator, EVAP for short. Okay. Now the evaporator absorbs two kinds of heat from, from the room, the room air. The first one being latent heat. Latent heat is basically when you change the state of a substance. So in a room that's hot in summer, it's humid. Okay. We have water vapor in the air. That water vapor is moving across that coil, the evaporator coil. That coil's cold. Okay. Because remember, we've reduced the pressure and the temperature of the refrigerant. So the evaporator coil is colder. All right. So that, that moisture is going to cling to that coil. That water vapor is going to condense to a liquid and it's going to flow down the drain. Okay. That's called latent heat removal because we're changing the state of a substance. All right. Now, once we get that in check, we can really start dropping the temperature of the space. Now, that type of heat, while we're dropping the temperature of the space, that can be seen on a thermostat, like if we move from 75 down to 72, that's sensible heat removal, okay? And you can really measure that from, from the thermostat. You can, you can see that happening. So latent heat removal is changing the state of the substance, water vapor to water liquid, getting rid of that water down the drain, because the humidity is really what makes us feel uncomfortable, okay? And then we have the sensible heat removal as well, where we're actually dropping the temperature of the air. Okay, so because the evaporator is absorbing heat from the room, all right, there's now heat in the refrigerant. There's, there's heat back in. We've boiled that refrigerant off, okay? We've got that superheated vapor moving back towards the compressor, okay? The compressor gets it. Now the compressor is moving. It's creating heat because there's a motor running. It's, it's compressing the gas. There's, there's this thing called heat of compression where it, it just generates heat from doing what it does, nature of the beast. So because it generates heat, once we, we move that, that gas, that superheated gas from the suction line into the discharge line, down the discharge line, we've actually added more superheat from the system because the compressor itself is generating heat. Okay, So it moves down the discharge line to the condenser. Okay. The condenser's job is to reject the heat that the evaporator has absorbed from the room temperature or for, from the room air and from the compressor. It's rejecting the heat from the evaporator and the compressor. Now, remember when I said in the beginning that I was walking by the unit at my old house when I was growing up and the air coming out the back was hot. I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if that's coming from the house. Well, yes, it is. It's absorbing heat from the home and rejecting it outside. And that is essentially the, the definition of the refrigeration cycle or refrigeration in general. 
is taking heat from one place where it's not wanted and moving it to another place or rejecting it to another place where it doesn't really matter. So that's what's going on. That That's what the condenser does. It's just rejecting heat from the system that we've picked up. We've picked that, that heat up from the room air inside the building and from the compressor that's generating heat because it's moving. The condenser rejects it. Okay, it rejects the heat, takes that refrigerant down to saturation, then down to a subcooled liquid, moves through the liquid line, okay, back to the metering device. The metering device now regulates flow, okay, into the evaporator, okay, we have our rule of thumb, 75% liquid, 25% vapor. Now the room air, okay, is absorbed by the evaporator, okay, the heat in the air, I should say, is absorbed by the evaporator. So that 75% liquid is boiling off. Okay. And we start all over again. So that's, that's the refrigeration cycle guys is just taking heat from one place. Okay. And moving it to a place where it's not wanted. And when you think about it in that aspect, it's pretty simple. I know it seems complicated when you think about it on a on a level where the refrigerant's moving, it's changing pressures, it's changing temperatures, doing this, doing that. But when you think about it on a really basic level, all the refrigeration cycle does is take heat from one place and move it to a, another place. And that is essentially what we're trying to do here. So I hope you you guys are able to, to pick something up from that. And, and I mean, we could go on and on and on with this subject for days, really we could, because there's so many variables and factors and things that could affect how, how, how this, how this happens and, and, and how, um, we could throw a wrench in, in the gears, really like million different variables we could bring up of, of, of problems that could exist within a system. But I just wanted to really explain to you guys the basic operation, the four major components and sort of my thoughts as a kid and, and how they kind of came to fruition as I, as I got older and went to trade school. Right. And it's really important to remember the four major components, superheat, subcooling, saturation. Okay. We talked about latent heat. We talked about sensible heat and the fact that the evaporator absorbs heat and the condenser rejects it. Okay. And the compressor is just there to move the refrigerant through the system. That's what it's for. The metering device is there to separate the two sides and regulate the refrigerant through. Anyway, guys, that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.